you're listening to Pardon the Disruption with your host, Tom Young. Welcome, everybody. This is Tom Young. Let's go around the room. This is Bart Gallo. This is TJ Young. And this is Rohan Kapoor. Great. Thanks, guys. Hey, today we're going to talk about uh, the future of reality and talk a little bit about three uh, terms of art around virtual reality, augmented reality, and mixed reality. You see these terms used often together. Uh, they relate to one another, but they're all a little bit different. We want to talk about some of the cool things we're seeing. Uh, a lot of money is being poured into this space uh, because it's going to change uh, many things. We talked before in other podcasts about the attention economy. We talked about uh, vying for people's eyeballs and how that is going to drive sort of the commerce of some of these digital technologies. So let's talk a little bit about uh, the difference between the three. TJ, you want to just clear, what are the three? Just quick, simple. Virtual reality, it's like the HCC Vive, if you've seen it. It's immersing yourself completely with a world of 360 degree 3D virtual content. Right? So, so Oculus you, is another Oculus one. is another one. You kind of, you put on goggles that you don't see the room around you. You have to put up pretty much space or barriers to walk into a wall or something mm -hmm. and you're in a new world. Augmented reality is similar, but you're usually looking through a transparent piece of glass. So if everyone remembers the failed uh, Google Glass implementation from mm -hmm. a couple years back, ahead of its time. Um, <laughs> you can actually see the environment around you, but uh, the device will project virtual images on top of the environment. So it's not entirely virtual, but it's augmenting actual reality. Mixed reality, it, as far as I know, it just is a summation term for all of it together. Yeah. So uh, augmented reality to me has probably the um, some of the more promising short-term business applications because um, if you if you go into Yelp. There's a thing called Monocle on your Yelp application on an iPhone or an Android device. And when you hold it up, it has access to the camera. And if you're walking down the street in New York, you can hold it up and it will overlay over the stores or the restaurants, the ratings of that store. Hmm. So as you spin around, it'll tell you like what's around you and what's going on. So that's a simple one. Another application we worked with a company called Wipro and they were doing some sales engineering or a field sort field engineering on something like a copier device so you hold this your camera up to the copier it sees what kind of copier it is and it overlays uh your vision through the camera lens you know what door to open up and it dynamically will render some cool stuff so there's some pretty interesting applications but in the consumer space virtual reality is getting probably the most attention yeah, I think it's probably the one technology that's come out in so many of these consumer products. And also it's probably the virtual reality is probably the one that we're most used to because, you know, video games is essentially virtual reality to a certain extent. Right. Um, you know, you're, you're transported to a completely new world, especially the new game over the last 10 years, the last decade, the games have come along so far. So people are used to virtual reality. I think... Um, augmented reality in a business sense like you just talked about is something that is kind of people are now starting to think like oh wow like it's not just gaming it can actually have 
uh, applications in in a very real way um, to the way that we do do business. So it's uh, it's really cool, and um, we've seen some videos. Um, there's a really cool video, an SAP video that we just yeah. watched, um, which I think everyone should go and check out to get a really good sense of what this can what this can do. So we look. So one of the companies we follow is um, Magic Leap. Uh, they launched a couple of years ago with a concept video uh, with augmented reality that was very, very powerful. You know, the, the hype uh, far exceeds the engineering reality of what they're doing. The same is true, by the way, for Microsoft with HoloLens. The marketing was great. The reality of it, less so. Uh, the, the devices are a little bulky, but I would get past that if the experience was great. So what was Magic Leap doing... I guess the video that you referenced, what kind of stuff were they? Um, well, they're using different technologies uh, to render the image into your uh, visual cortex. So one is just a physical image overlay, and you look through a lens very close to your eyeball. Another one actually gets into lasers and changes to what you see. But less the, the, the technology is less interesting unless you're an engineer trying to figure this out. In practical terms, I think the video we just watched on Magic Leap said they had a 50-degree viewing angle. Uh, in my experience using HoloLens, it's probably similar. It might be, it might not be exactly 50 degrees, but it's not a full 180-degree uh, vision that you might have through your through your eyes today. And what that is like is like looking through a a tunnel. Uh, and so it, it limits the, sort of the experience. So the reason you like the SAP uh, video, they use a company called Vuzix, if I got it right. Uh, it, it simply helps a field engineer as they're looking at something, it'll give them instructions overlaying on the equipment they're using. So they're not really trying to get a, a, a landscape rendered and changing what's going on the way you might do in a consumer application. So there's, that's why I say it's the augmented and mixed reality works better for some of the business field engineering applications, but it, it's a very promising field. We, if we heard right in the uh, prep for this show, we looked at the Magic Leap video review. They received a $2.3 billion of funding for the small uh, company down in Plantation, Florida, which is right outside of Fort Lauderdale. Um, so pretty, it's a lot of money's going into this because it's going to change the game. Yeah, there's there's the play in business. Where, you know, we're talking about overlaying virtual content on the real world. This is great for, you know, just imagine performing repairs like you said. I can look at some device, something that's broken, and all of a sudden instructions float in front of me. That's what we're talking about. Yeah. You have a headset on and instructions, a walkthrough even a video floating there. Someone could call in, see what you're looking at. It completely digitizes the experience of interacting or performing whatever job that is. Right. And that's huge for business. The reason Magic Leap and these companies are getting that much money is the consumer play. They want to be the first company to, you know, they want to be the Apple in terms of everyone having a device in their pocket or on their head so that when you go shopping, when you go walk around the street, everyone has a headset like this. It's really, imagine if Google Glass got it right. Imagine walking through a shopping market and you just, you, you, normally your glasses in the future, probably contact lenses, but they can overlay virtual content projected onto a smart lens or a smart 
headset. So you're walking in the aisle, I say, oh, a deal's flashing, and it's just for me, or it's just for Rowan. Yeah. Because of what you surfed at the other day, or because of what sites you looked at yeah. on Amazon. Right. Yeah. So these companies are kind of placing a bet on these sort of goggles, uh, lens, headsets, replacing cell phones on some level eventually, where your phone just becomes a software-defined rectangle in the view space mm -hmm. of your headset that everyone has one, and it's kind of like this right. prolific technology in whatever future state where cell phones are obsolete, even in the iPhone that you have now. So yeah. uh, imagine you you put on a simple pair of glasses, and I, let's forget whether the engineering works or not, but it's it, at some level my sense is they'll figure it out in time. But you put these glasses on, and you see the world as you see it today, and then the issue is in augmented reality or mixed reality, they're going to overlay what you see and enhance it. So the design of the space you walk into may have anchor points that lend itself to changing, for example, the decor or the prices you see or the language on the signs that you see. You may be able to see other people in the environment and their names float over their head or their FICO score LinkedIn or their stats. social network or how you know them, or information about them that you need to know, like their spouse's name, the, the, where they live, where they work. Their social rating. <laughs> their social rating. And it's Are great for businesses because they don't have to invest in as much capital infrastructure, and they can just augment whatever facility they want with virtual content. A good example of this, it's not really AR, but it's a, an example of where they're kind of branching analog physical objects with digital, or the new Amazon stores. You've been to at the Amazon stores yet? There's one in New Jersey at the Jersey Garden State City. Plaza, oh, or right. Jersey City too, maybe. Mm -hmm. You walk in, a lot of the products don't have a price. They'll have a QR code, and you have to scan the QR code with the Amazon app, and it pulls up what you're looking at on Amazon. Wow. So it's almost like you could buy it there. You can also just have it shipped to your house. It's an entire store dedicated to, for you to go there and use the app. But it makes that there. connection. It's... Now you're on the app again. Right. So it's, it's, it's weird. It's a physical showroom. But it's also driving traffic to their virtual site. So, right. but like, so, so Google Glass, right? That came out three years ago, I'd want to say, something like that. And they, this was, you know, this was exactly what we're talking about with AR, was promised through Google Glass. You could look at a bridge and you could see when the bridge was built and how many, you know, yeah. how, so all of this stuff was there. So I guess my question is, why hasn't it taken off? Because it sounds like Verizon could give their engineer a set of Google glasses, go fix something, let's go into what, what is the, because the technology seems to be there. The, the, the devices to, um, to enter that kind of reality are there. Why isn't it, why isn't it there? <laughs> why it's, isn't it commercial? Uh, I, I would say a couple of things. It's, a, it's still a little expensive. Mm-hmm. Uh, secondly, that's going to be solved though, so that's not really an issue. Secondly, you looked a little bit like Inspector Gadget back then. I mean, Google had probably the most sleek design from what I remember, but you're still like, if I saw you wearing those, I, I was like, oh, what the hell is on your head? And thirdly, I think at the time it came out, what was it, like four years ago, five yeah. years ago now? It was at the beginning of all of this, like, just anxiety around privacy mm. and... I think there was, I remember articles coming out, uh, you know, stores banning Google Glass wearers from coming yeah, in. That's a good point. Because you could be recording stuff, you could be taking pictures. And it was like, there was a general creepiness about it. And mm. it, like if you were seen, you were not cool wearing a Google Glass headset at the time. Yeah, I, I think there was, a, there was a stigma side of it. I, don't, I, I also don't think the engineering's quite there, mm. you know, it's where people will shell out a couple thousand dollars. 
But if the price point were five or six hundred dollars, and you could wear a set of glasses that ostensibly look like sunglasses or regular glasses and are indistinguishable, and that thing, and that those glasses record everything you see, uh, and then overlay what you see with an enhanced. Think of it a the other term is enhanced reality, where um, you today you have that ability with your smartphone. If you don't speak a language and you're in a foreign country, you can hold up Google Translate over the menu and it will translate it in real time. And it will not translate it and send you a text message, which is not elegant. It wipes out the font on the menu and replaces the font with a close match. Right, it'll get the color. It pretty, it's pretty, pretty mm -hmm. impressive yeah. how it does that. The image processing. That's probably the most accessible and mind-blowing way people can try this. Just download Google Translate, mm -hmm. hit the camera button, and do English to French or something, and look at an English menu. It's yeah. in the font, in the color, with the lighting, and it looks like you're looking at a French menu all of a sudden. <laughs> I haven't tried but that it, yet. It's, it's actually You and Karen were just in uh, in Japan, right? Well, in Japan, kanji. Yep. Kanji is. <laughs> inaccessible yeah. to most Westerners. Yeah. I mean, it's one thing to, to struggle with reading French or German if you're an English speaker. You can figure it out a little bit. Yeah. But kanji, this looks like uh, random, <laughs> you know, who knows? So you hold that up. It's really, uh, I, can't, I mean, I can't make heads or tails of it. I can read four or five languages. I can't read that. Yeah. I mean, Google Translate in itself, definitely, everyone should download that straight away. And yeah, it, going to places like Japan, I was in Moscow earlier this year, um, you know, holding it up to, I mean, place like Moscow is impossible for someone to navigate if you don't know the uh, local Cyrillic. language. Cyrillic. Who knows Cyrillic? I don't know. <laughs> Cyrillic. Isn't that what they use? Cyrillic? It's Cyrillic, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a completely different, I mean, it's, it's completely foreign in or, its or true, Arabic, true sense. Right? Or Arabic, yep. Um, and Google Translate, I mean, it's the voice component of Google Translate versus the, because again, it's interesting, the technology for, for, for augmented reality within Google Translate is good, but it's not fantastic. Whereas something like their uh, NLP uh, engine yeah. is phenomenal. And that technology is incredible. You know, I could, I had a 20 minute conversation with an Uzbekistani Uber driver, didn't speak a word of English and I knew his story. I knew everything about, you know, he had a divorce and he had a business and really? he was talking about sanctions and neither of us spoke each other's language. Um, so that technology is far ahead. Whereas, wow. you know, on a menu, it gets the closest match. Sometimes yeah. it's just not quite there. So <laughs> to your point about maybe why Google Glass didn't quite take off. So, uh, so go has. back to the, the notion of how, how are the visual technologies yep. uh, changing? We. We uh, we went with our client up to the Poconos last year, and did the uh, the group walk around when we did the shooting. We put the packs on. Remember that? Mm -hmm. That was pretty good. And then TJ and I went down to Disney World and went to the Star Wars version of that, and it was really good. Wasn't that good? Yeah, that was VR. That was yeah. VR. But still within the topic of what we're talking about today. The the one the Star Wars thing. I think it cost us. I want to say 150 bucks for the two of us for a 30 minute experience. Yeah, and that's just to keep the lines down. Otherwise, it would be a mob scene. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 so the the cost was it, it was not so much of an issue for me to test this out. 
but as a lifestyle, it was too expensive. Mm. But what we saw was awesome. You put on a head, uh, you wear a vest that has the compute and the battery. You put on a headset. They give you a, a, a gun that's linked to everything. And then you walk through this warehouse. Now, the warehouse in its actual physical terms is just a warehouse uh, that's undescript. It's probably just black walls and doors that move. But in the reality that they give you through your goggles, and you see everything. You see the people next to you, right? Uh, they overlay the reality you walk through. So you reach over to touch the door. You see your hand touch the door, and you look like you're on a spaceship. I reach down to touch a button, and I feel the button. And my, I see my virtual hand touch the virtual button. So there's a matching of physical sensation. We walked into a lava field and fought Darth Vader, I think, with blasters. We could feel the heat. Wow. Because uh, they, they had a heat blast hit us. It's like 4D experience. The sound, the mm. sound was there. Uh, I reached down and touched R2-D2, and I, f I could feel R2-D2 next to me. It was just a static robot, but he was sitting there. And, again, very, very interesting. I think you're going to see more services like that sprout up, mm -hmm. just full 4D. They're going to say 5D, 5 cents, <laughs> you know, sensory deprivation or sensory immersion uh, products. You're just going to be able I'm to ready. walk in, pick but, your experience, and go in. That was the – of all the things I've tested out, and it, that was by far the best. But, but it was a one-off experience, meaning it's, um, you know, $100 for a half hour per person – or something close to that. They have a center in Manhattan, mm -hmm. uh, the same company that does this. I don't know where it is. It's probably in Times it's Square. In area. It's in Midtown area, yeah. Yeah, but we should we should go in and try that and see if they've updated it. Some of the experiences. It's probably a fun project for us to go do. But w what we're trying to get a sense of is, you know, there's a lot of money being thrown at this consumer electronics show is in January. I ex expect we'll see some launches. Mm -hmm. Typically, these companies save. They're cool stuff for the launch in Vegas uh, that first week. So we'll pay attention to the news that first week and see what comes out. But this is a space getting a lot of money. So do you think part of the reason why you it's such a memorable experience for you, the Disney experience, was it is truly sensory deprivation, right? Like you, you're feeling every single one of your senses. So it's truly immersive, which makes the virtual reality experience that much better. When I put on an Oculus Rift, uh, an Oculus Rift, and I walk around Tuscany. Like, I don't get that same thing because it's not truly hitting all of my senses. Like, I'll walk around and it's like, wow, from, from an optical perspective, it's immersive, but that's it. And it's difficult to create that full sensory deprivation unless you're somewhere like Disney versus just in I, your house. I don't think you need five senses, but you need more than one. Hmm for it to, to, to immerse yourself. And I, let me, let me, I'll give you another example. This is outside of the visual side. I listened to this. I had an app that had, it was a sound effects app. And I think they've since discontinued. I don't know why, but it, it, it played sound effects and it allowed you to mix sound effects together and create your own mixes. So I would, um, I created a mix that was a dining room and a train and I called it the dining car and I and you play with the mix levels to get it right and I sat in a chair like the one I'm sitting in here and I was at a table like the one I'm at now and I had 
my um, Kindle and I was reading a book and I, I was, uh, when I was reading it, it was, uh, there was an aspect of me sensing that I was on a train reading. And as I was reading, I was lost to the reality that I was in. I was actually sitting on my porch, et cetera, et cetera. But when I stopped reading, I felt like I just appeared on the porch. I had actually, and so I, I but it wasn't quite there. And so I, I talked to this professor in the UK when I did this. And I said, if you could introduce smell while you're reading. So, and, and this guy was studying the ability to engineer and uh, smells and sell them. So if you go to Disney World and ride um, Soren, they'll give you the sense of an immersive visual experience as you're riding through this uh, glider. It's a huge screen, but it fills your entire field of vision. It gives you the sense of flying, and you're so you're moving like soaring on a on a thing. But they give you the smells as well. When you fly over an orange orchard, you smell the orange. You fly over, like we smelled jasmine when we went over the Taj Mahal. You could smell um, the ocean, the smell of the ocean. It was, and the lines to get in there are inc incredible. So I figured if you could introduce smell, and then change the and get two or three senses, you could really start to immerse yourself in mm. new places. Mm. Pretty interesting stuff. I encourage people, like I, I, when I read, I, I will listen to sound effects to block, to, so I, I'm able to get into it a little bit more. So I'll listen to ocean waves or I like the, 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 the train car. It's very, it's very repetitive, almost like brown noise in the background, but it lets you escape uh, from where you're at. Also, you don't, want to be, you don't want a lot of visualization around you so you can focus on the book. Pretty interesting. And your, and your mind will take you in different places. So anyway, the, the, we, the guy and I had a few interactions, and then he just he dropped it. But it was something I thought would be interesting to pursue that. It's going to be cool when we start to... Uh, there's a really good example you gave Tom about Henry VIII, which, I mean, I love history, and I studied him. And the ability to to sit in, in a virtual reality world with, uh, you know, a, potentially when the technology evolves a sentient Henry VIII and actually talk to him. And that, that level of education and learning experience, I think is, is kind of mind blowing. I think that's a lot closer than you might imagine. So the, you could put on a VR headset and sit at a table like we're sitting at now. And you could even set it up in such a way that it facilitates what the VR would be good at. And across the table would be a historical figure and that and that historical figure would be rendered uh in the way that we see in, in the advanced video games today even further even more so and then the taking the natural language stuff you could actually just talk to it in natural language and it would talk back to you and iterate on what you're saying and ask historical questions what did you mean by this and i would say that's not far away the issue is, is there a business market for that? And I think you could start to redefine how education works. Um, uh, you'll get a lot of controversy when, if you interview George Washington, you say, oh, George Washington wouldn't have said that. He would have said, you know, we don't need a wall on the <laughs> south border of Mexico and stuff like that. Yeah. 
But I think that, that that technology exists. But now think of it another way. Would you render a loved one who's lost? Guy tried to do that when insane. Tried to recreate a chat AI of his father using yeah. so uh, no, so no, text so conversations. You have, uh, you have a, an elderly parent, and you in, you do basically an intake. So I intake them, and then I able to render them through a series of dozens of photographs, and the AI will allow you to have a conversation or sit down or have a meal with them virtually. See, that's when it starts. Would you do it? I, I would, personally. Um, you know, it's definitely, I mean, I, I do th I do think about it because my pa father passed away a few years ago. And so it's like, it's kind of mind, it's, it just stretches your mind completely when you think you could sit down and have a conversation with someone that's not gone. But then it's also like you take off the headset and it's the lines between reality. I think it can mess with a lot of people's heads. I don't know. I, 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 it's a very interesting question. Um, very what, interesting. What? So part part of it is the the, the artificial aspect of putting on a headset and headphones. And yeah. That. But what if it was as simple as the way we have a few of our rooms set up here? We have high res screen at the end of the table, and you just mount your table right up to the edge of a very large high res screen. And on the other side, and the screen continues the rendering of the table virtually, and the person sits on the other side, so that the sound system you normally are accustomed to, you're walking around the room with no extra equipment. You're just looking into the TV, and it's already set for you. And you could wear 3D glasses. That would be the only thing if you wanted to make it 3D. But you don't need it to be 3D, and you have that conversation with a loved one. I'm, I, whether you should do it or not is not the issue. My issue is you will you will be able to do this. That way it will be a choice at some stage. It will be a choice that you'll be forced to make. You could even imagine like a an older grandparent whose child doesn't lives an older grandparent who lives in India, child lives in San Francisco. Maybe it's better for them to they're craving company and attention. They can leverage the technology for this way. But then their relationship with the, the real child then well, we looked at out the, uh, one of the technologies we looked at, and we're going a little far afield here, but it t ties into how you render these virtual realities or mixed realities. We looked at Google Duplex when they launched that earlier this year, I think in May. And it was conversational AI. And it was pretty good. It was narrow in focus for sure. It was about a restaurant reservation and a haircut appointment, what we saw. But... Again, that's a question of sophistication. And in years to come, it's going to be more generally purpose sophisticated. And I'm going to be able to take that technology and overlay it to many things and then be able to interact with that. Now, the people that were talking to the Google Duplex in the cases that they showed us, they did not know they were talking to a computer. And so you can really open things up to a tremendous amount of applications and moral questions around should you do this? Will you do this? How will you do this? What would it be the regulation? Very interesting. Mm. I think I'm turning into a Luddite. <laughs> I, <know. laughs> I don't know. Karen just joined us. Karen, I, I feel like you have something to say on this whole front of yeah. whether we could do something, should do something. What are your thoughts? Because a lot of times guys are looking at this like it's really a cool technology, but there's a female side of this whole thing. 
I think it's really cool. Um, we were just talking offline before you guys started recording about uh, some of the use cases, um, especially for um, buying furniture, for example. Um, so actually empowering you to make uh, strategic or, you know, good sound decisions. Uh, and a lot of people struggle with this. I know women are completely sometimes indecisive when it comes to, is that coffee table going to look good in my living room? So now um, I was actually, while you were, guys were chatting, I was playing around with the Amazon app. So if you open the Amazon app and you click on an item, they have an option where it says view in your living room. And you hold your phone uh, to any uh, any angle in the room, and it says tap this button. You tap the button, and the table shows up in your room. So it's pretty cool. I, I mean, so I think some of the use cases for stuff like that is awesome. Um, but again, I, I think then there's this whole other side of it that it c could be a bit dark. Yeah. Mm. So well, TJ, yeah, you did it with Wayfair. Who did you do it with? Who did you do it with? The the furniture app. Yeah, it's the same thing. Yeah, I think Wayfair. I think they're all going to offer that now if they, they want to be competitive. Um, and did it did it seem accurate to you when you did it? Yeah, absolutely. Wow. Yeah. It's just one more thing you don't have to go to the store with the tape measure <laughs> for. I mean, yeah. So Bart, when we finish out the build out here, we can uh, think about using that for here. <laughs> Yeah, we can try that and we can stock it up with uh, 19 Crimes wine. I don't know if you guys have heard of this. It's a company called 19 Crimes. They're a vineyard or they make wine. And they have uh, a few different choices of wines. Each one has a famous British criminal who was sent to Australia in the 19th century as a character drawn onto the label. And there's an app that uses augmented reality to bring the character to life when you uh, shine your camera on the bottle. And I guess they give some kind of speech or do some kind of, I don't know, hijinks. But it's a pretty cool gift, a way to check out augmented reality if you're new to it. Want to ah, just get a sense. That's pretty neat. Yeah. I'll have to check that one out. Well, the, the world is changing rapidly around us. And you can see the, the technologies as it gets more sophisticated and immersive is actually starting to alter the realities that we perceive. It's not just limiting to the light squares that we look at. Uh, it's actually now infecting the way we perceive the world around us. Uh, it's pretty cool. So one other comment that I have on it, just as we're I'm thinking through, is um, is it going to cause people to become, you know, a, a bit more detached from interacting with others? Because if you can just put on a headset, why do you need to go on a family vacation? Why do you need to go and look at a house? When the, you can just do it from your living room. Uh, the book and movie Ready Player One is the perfect example. People just become dis dislocated from society. They want to go into the game. And that's where commerce and social interactions and life happens. So if you're not there, you have no friends. So yeah, you better I just join the say, VR I think world. the answer to your question is yes. Yeah, I think it's <laughs> happening. Sign me up. <laughs> so it, 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 it goes back to the same old question around the morality of technology, it neither is or it isn't. And it's the way you, it's the way we choose to use it and see it. There's a movie that Bruce Willis is in called Surrogates, right? Where you buy a AI or a physical Android that looks like you and you sit in what's a, like equivalent of a dentist chair in your home and it hooks up the, your brain and your consciousness moves to this Android and you go out in society as an Android. Now, 
you can pay for somebody who looks just like you or you can look like somebody else and go out. And when you're, you can choose to go out for real or send your Android out. And the issue is as you're interacting with people, you don't know if it's an Android or a real person. And then the issue really becomes like on Westworld, when we watched it on HBO, where the one character asked the woman who's helping him get dressed, he said, are you real? And she says, if you can't tell, does it matter? And the issue is, if you can't tell, does it matter? I don't know. That, I, I, I'm not sure. I don't think we're quite there yet from a technology perspective. But uh, I think you can use these technologies going back to the way you can use it to disrupt your world and isolate yourself and stay in your basement and never come out. Or you can use this to enhance your experiences with your friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally agree. I think as long as uh, we continue to to try to stay on the enhancement side, it's all goodness. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm interested in this 19 Crimes Wine because it sounds to me like there's a conversation game story that you can discuss with your friends as you're drinking the bottle of wine. So it's more than just drinking wine. It's a it's a wine drinking plus an experience that goes with it. Mm. And that's an, that's an interesting concept. I want to think about some more about how products and services can um, help you do that. So think about how um, people watch a movie and then they want to go see where that film was made. And uh, they want to sit like, uh, what's that movie, When Harry Met Sally? They filmed it at Katz's Deli. Mm-hmm. Everyone wants to, you know, and people come from the Midwest. Oh, I want to go sit Katz's Deli and sit where they sat in that whole in that scene. And it's just a table at a deli, but you know, they make a big deal about it, and uh, it drives commerce. It drives a, an enhanced experience. It's not just going to the deli. It's going to the deli where they filmed Harry Met Sally. Uh, the movie Sideways. We talked about how that affected sales of Merlot, Merlot and Pinot Noir sales for years to come. Uh, the Merlot Farmers of California estimated that the movie Sideways, which is a $20 million indie film in 2004, cost them $400 million. Think about that. Over so, a decade, yeah. Pretty interesting stuff. So a lot of interesting things. Uh, you know, we talked about how technology is affecting reality. It's such a broad topic. It could, we could go, we could talk about this for hours. Yeah. But uh, the, the encouragement that I would ask people to do like we do at the end of these shows is really think about how technology that you're using today is affecting the way you perceive the world around you and um, ask yourself, is it for the good or, or, or not for the good? And if it's not for the good, how can you, we start to use it for the good as opposed to allowing it to disrupt or disaffect us negatively? Well, great. Thanks everybody. Hey, thanks for listening to the show today. Pardon the disruption. If you enjoyed our discussion, I'd invite you to head over to our homepage at www.rumjog.com. You can go there and check out our perspectives page and hear more podcast episodes, read some articles. It's some pretty interesting stuff. You can get access also to our digital disruption series. This is a meetup that we do mostly in New York and New Jersey area where we discuss the impact of these technologies on our society and the way we live and work. We do this alongside of industry experts in various fields like crowdsourcing, automation, and blockchain, uh, the, the, the technologies that are disrupting our world today. Anyway, if you like that, you can also follow us on social media uh, at Twitter on the handle at Rumjog. We look forward to hearing more from you. Thank you. Thank you.